Hey, this is John. Let's Talk Native is now on Patreon. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash letstalknative. We will be producing exclusive content for our Patreon supporters. Thanks for checking us out. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cataraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. We highlight the voices of Native activists, writers, poets, artists, thinkers, and musicians who are fighting for the rights of indigenous people all over Turtle Island. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. In this moment of historical change and social justice, Our voices matter now more than ever before. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Sego, welcome to the program. Uh, Look, today I'm going to talk about something in a way that I'm doing next week. (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm going to, I've been asked to speak at the Poor People's Campaign's um, event. It's It's a town hall event, Zoom town hall event. And I'm going to be talking about uh, inequality and, uh, and, and poverty as it relates to, to Native people. Uh, you know, the, the Poor People's Campaign has been around for a long time. Uh, Martin Luther King actually began this, this campaign. And it, it, so in, in his lifetime, he had envisioned how strong a campaign had to be uh, had to, to lift people out of poverty and, and how that much in the same way other people are suggesting that that classism is the most dangerous part of of racism or perhaps more significant than racism um but but again it, it, this is something that has been picked up um and re- fairly recently and over the last few years reverend barber is one of the guys who is uh, um is a big player in this poor people's campaign but Native people, we kind of got left out of the mix in in much of this conversation up up until fairly recently. Now there's a a an indigenous um, component to the Poor People's Campaign. Um, I participated in some of it uh, already. I've done um, a couple of events, uh, live events, and then we we did a Zoom event uh, last year. So, um, but I want to. I figured this is a good opportunity for me to talk about. This. So anyway, this event is on October tenth. It's it's ne- it's uh, it's next Saturday, but this gives me an opportunity to, to talk about some of these issues. And you know, look a- as Native people, I don't think we fully understand sometimes just what we're uh, what we're up against, and and why is it that our um, lifestyles are, are challenged so much more than other people's. And uh, so I, I want to kind of go through what some of the hurdles are, what, what, what native people are somewhat familiar with, but certainly non-native people are not familiar with at all. 
you know, look, from the outside, everybody thinks that Native people just have it made. We have all these rights and privileges. We don't pay taxes. We don't do this. We, you know, many uh, Native territories have casinos. So Native people must be just rich. And, uh, and of course, that's anything but true. <laughs> uh, um, Yes, there are some taxes we uh, we we push back against paying, and we our view is that the taxes don't apply to us. But we still get taxed um, uh, on on many levels. We still get taxed. Uh, federal income tax is not is one of those things that we are in a constant battle with. New York State recognizes that our income isn't taxable, but they're still trying to Im- impose. They, New York State still believes that that they have the right to collect tax on sales that we make on our territory. That, to non-natives or, or to non-enrolled members, as they put it. So th- there's, a, there's a lot of debate and a lot of battle over that stuff, and, which kind of leads to some of you know, the impoverished situations that we, uh, we face. And, of course, the inequality or, or, or outright racism leads to many of these, uh, the, these conflicts. But let me go through a little of it. I mean, some of it is just basic banking. We don't have the same... Um, financial tools available to us as Native people. Now, you're, some some are going to say, "Well, sure, we do. We can get a checking account." You know, I'm talking about lending. You have to understand the the main purpose of a bank is to is to issue loans, not just savings and loans banks, but they they are supposed to offer financial instruments, not just the the convenience of a of a checking account. And for the most part. We can't go to the bank and borrow money unless we have money in their bank. <laughs> we can borrow against our own our own money. We can't borrow money um, for for let's say like a, like a home or a business because we can't give the the land as collateral uh, the 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 fixed assets the the real the real estate assets uh, as collateral and. And so we can't get a we can't get a home mortgage. We can't build a home on our territories um, with, with a bank loan. We have mortgage programs run by the native governments, so to speak. Um, we we can we can borrow money to get a trailer, a mobile home, and and the reason we can do that is because they can just load up a you know, bring a truck by and load it up and pull it out of here. So. Uh, but as far as building a permanent home, a, a high quality uh, home with, you know, a fixed home, we can't do that unless we can pay for it out of our own pockets or have a, a quote unquote nation program for that. And of course, they're always going to be limited. There's only so many houses um, that can be that can be built by by, a, you know, a, a native government. And even, even with the assistance of programs that are that have other hoops to jump through like HUD and that kind of thing. There's, there's a limitation. Look in the, in the vast majority of homes in the United States, they are, they are, you know, built privately. They're, 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 they're individual mortgages for those homes. They aren't government programs. And so to to suggest that, that, that could be the solution to our housing problems um, is, Without us being able to borrow money to build homes, we're never going to have an adequate supply of um, of homes for the vast majority of our people. Now, keep in mind, while I I dispute some uh, some of the the numbers associated with the, with the census that uh, that are that are performed every decade, 
census information suggests that 70% of the native population does not live on native territory. Well, I don't know if it's that high, but if it is that high or, or whatever level it is, part of that is that we simply don't have places for people to live. We don't have apartment complexes. We don't have um, enough residential areas that have been built out by, you know, by the nations that, uh, you know, that, that have the resources to do some of this stuff. So we simply don't have the, the, the many people, their first um, homes are off territory. If you're young, you don't necessarily have a place to move into when it's time to leave the nest. So you get an apartment in town or, you know, in, in, the, in the surrounding towns. And that just leads to this exodus of, of our population from our territories. And, but that, that is directly related to things like financing and, and how much that we can, we can borrow. Now, that same problem with housing and financing housing is, uh, re relates to, uh, to our economic development. We can't borrow money to build a business. We can't buy, borrow money to, um, to cover overhead. Those kinds of loans that, that a standard business off territory has, they are collateralizing. They're backing those loans and, and, the, and those um, uh, credit lines and that kind of stuff with, with their physical business. We can't do all that stuff. Now, having said that, I don't want to do that. I'm not suggesting that we need to get banks um, or, or change our circumstances so we can put up our land for collateral. Um, frankly, that is how a lot of native lands were lost in earlier days, really shady kinds of loans. I mean, one of the, one of the classic um, cases that uh, for the Oneidas was, uh, was a case where the last 32-acre parcel of land on what was considered the Oneida Reservation in, in you know, just south of what is called Oneida, New York, was the um, uh, the Hanyost track and and the Boylans who uh, were was uh, there was a loan put it this way there was a, there was a loan associated and the the person who um, who lent the money was trying to take um, take. A possession of the property uh, against that loan, and that turned into into a case which uh, which which kind of changed even how the state viewed its role in. Um, it, it was called the Boylan case. That's where the name came from, and I'm not sure if Boylan was the lender or not. But uh, um, it actually made New York State reassess their role in in how they interacted with native issues. And, you know, and this was in the 19, uh, 19 or not, just before 1920. And it, 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 it made the state say, look, this is obviously a fed, uh, federal um, uh, issue. And we shouldn't be involved in administering um, judgments on, on native cases, nor should they be paying uh, treaty payments and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, but again, a lot of lands were lost this way. I mean, and in fact, um, Thomas Jefferson, in a letter to uh, uh, Henry Harrison, who was the governor, Thomas Jefferson was the president at the time. I think this is like 1803 or something along those lines. In a letter to, um, to Henry Harrison, who was the governor of the Indiana Territory, was encouraging the, the shop owners, the ones who would... Uh, you know, the general, the, the classic general store telling them, look, keep your prices low, 
sell as much as you can to the native people who are willing to buy. And if they don't have money, give them credit lines. Get them in debt. And if you get them into debt, they'll lop off that debt with their land. And then we'll, we'll eventually you know, reach our final consolidation is what uh, Jefferson called it. So there was actually a plan to use credit and, and lending to take our lands. That was one of, you know, Thomas Jefferson's, you know, brain trust, brain, uh, brain childs. I mean, so this is, this idea of, of financing and losing land is something that, I mean, for the most part, look, a bank takes your land as collateral, not with the intent that they're going to take your land. It's, it's about security. But there have been, and in our history with, uh, with lenders, it was always like, yeah, we're going to give you debt and we're, and we're going to run you into debt. In fact, <laughs> that history is fairly recent if you look at someplace like, like Foxwood Casino. The, the, the Mash and Pequots. There was so much money being thrown at them that they ran into, into huge debt and finally had to find, uh, use Chapter 11 bankruptcy laws to, you know, to, to reorganize themselves. Because lenders, they didn't care whether they really had the money to, uh, you know, to pay them. They, wanted to re- they were all trying to throw money at them to, to do large building expenses. So, but, you know, and of course, trust me, they got paid. <laughs> but... But the way financing works today is um, is very very difficult. Even like in Foxwood, they actually had to use their um, their cash flow to you know for credit. They they couldn't put the land up. You know the banks can't foreclose on property, uh, and so that leads to a, a bit of a problem. You know when when it comes for us to us developing our homes, our businesses, and that kind of stuff. Now. Because also because banking, um, there's other challenges there too, and and among those challenges were the businesses that we're doing, and how the state or federal government views those businesses. It, when they criminalize our business, like tobacco, for instance, or any businesses that we're, where we've taken advantage of um, of our regulatory advantages by not allowing the state to impose their taxation. The state creates this, this grayness in, uh, in in that in those businesses and criminalizes it. They they look to, as I see here today, the smoke shops here on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. As far as the state's concerned, every one of those smoke shops has contraband on their shelves, simply because they don't have a New York State stamp on them. Now they're not enforcing or, or trying to you know seize that product, uh, at least not from our territories. They'll pull over a truck if they see one. If they can locate a truck that's carrying native, uh, a native tobacco brand from a native territory to another native. One of my sponsors is you know, facing millions of dollars worth of um, um, uh, fines associated with that. So, look, this is, this is the battle that we're always in. So having said that, what it does is it puts us in, in a difficult spot when we want to use banking even as a means to manage our financing. So uh, if, if, if we can't trust putting our money in a bank because at any given time the state could say, well, that's an illegal enterprise and we're going to, uh, we're going to seize that. It's not like the banks warn you. You, know, you want, might want to clear out your account. They're going to, the, the state's taking it. Because that actually has happened. Uh, the merchant accounts that we're using, especially for mail order tobaccos, when that was something before the states uh, you know, did everything they could to, to, to outlaw that, um, 
mail uh, our, our merchant accounts associated with credit card processing. Some of those got seized. They got seized, you know, in in a, in a larger net that they claim was was thrown out there to for because of terrorism financing and uh, uh, money laundering and, and these kinds of things. Uh, and, and some of those, you know, some of our native business people had to fight like hell to get that money back. Some of them didn't get it back. So trusting our banking relationship as native people, um, is, is difficult because we do operate at a, at a certain level, uh, cash-based businesses because for us, they are more secure. Now, they become problematic on some levels because moving money around and that kind of stuff is difficult. Paying for, you know, how do you pay pay vendors if you can't use a bank? And it, you can, but it, but it, it, now you're you're transporting what large sums of money to pay for your your gas shipment or your tobacco. So we it it has put, placed us in a precarious situation, which really limits our ability to um, to develop businesses. So. That's that's another example of, of how inequality, racism has contributed to some of um, uh, to, to some of our difficulties in terms of developing economically. Um, the other issue is that we don't have um, the same mechanisms, and the, again, this isn't a complaint; it's, it's simply just a matter of fact that the outside has for public finance. How do the nations? get their get their um uh their resources their, how do they fill their coffers well they're not taxing our people we don't we not only fight the outside for taxes we don't embrace the idea of taxing our own people and in fact taxation is is a capitalism based system where the governments actually um hinder capitalism by imposing taxes on whether it's a sale or whether it's you know um uh income, you know, whatever. They, they have all these different means. For, look, you get taxed and people don't even realize that there's excise taxes, there's sales tax, there's income tax, there's property tax, there's uh, inheritance tax. There's all kinds of taxes that the, the state and federal governments have. We don't allow any of those on our territories to, to, for the most part. Although I will say the feds are still pushing their income tax on us. Now, excise tax is another issue. Tobacco, we can't even get tobacco uh, uh, products onto our territories without the excise tax being uh, um, imposed upon that product. Even the product that we manufacture ourselves, that becomes suspect at the ATF level, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms um, level, if we don't pay the federal excise tax, even on products that we, uh, that we manufacture ourselves. And for the most part, most manufacturers do that. They may not pay state. Uh, or provincial taxes, but for the most part, they're going to pay the, the federal taxes to avoid, it, it, that gets wrapped up even to native producers in the cost of doing business. So, you know, this, so we don't have the same public finance. I mean, that's money that's coming out of our territories, even as we, we argue about what taxes, you know, we're going to allow the outside to tax us. But inside, we don't tax. I mean, they're, there have been some mechanisms placed in where people, um, whether it's voluntary, voluntary compliance or whether it's you pay a fee or whatever else, we could argue whether there's um, a certain amount of 
tax that goes um, that some nations are charging in their tobacco sales or their or their fuel sales. Um, but there's usually massage language, so they don't actually use that word. But um, but we don't. It's not generating the kind of significant income that's going to finance a a native government. So how do they get financed? Well, they get financed by doing casinos, by by them being in business themselves. I mean, here in Seneca Territory, um, the Seneca Nation has enterprises that include you know, uh, their own gas stations, convenience stores, tobacco shops. Um, but of course, their their big breadwinner are the are the gaming enterprises. <clears throat> so that's how public finance um, is created, and and the difficulty. With that is you create a certain level of competition against nation-owned um, businesses and the private sector. And that's never been that smooth a relationship. Instead of there being a, a, a fairly good cooperation between the two, um, even as native business people got into politics, there there was always this, there's always been this, this rift. And part of it is you, traditionally when you look out at the have and the have nots uh, in most native territories, it was the the tribal business people, or the, no, I'm sorry, the the tribal government people who were usually sitting pretty. They got the nicer houses, they had the bigger incomes. Those were the most lucrative jobs on our territories. And then when the private sector developed, you had the um, uh, you had the tobacco business folks who were making making money. So the have and have nots meant that if you weren't either working um, in the government or owning a smoke shop, then you probably had your own suspicion about both. And so the anti-business sentiment grew in a lot of native territories. And, and it was considered somewhat rogue because obviously we were fighting back against the state and federal government's uh, authority over us. And it put people who were not necessarily embracing these native businesses in a in a in kind of a tough spot. They you know they were not um, uh, they they were not necessarily keen on on the on millionaires being created on their territories because they viewed their sovereignty was being exploited personally individually and they weren't getting anything out of it so this this resentment you know is is part of what becomes the kind of the crab in a bucket you know scenario where people don't want to see other people succeed and and in defense of the, those people who see this this wealth accumulating um the the business owners weren't always that certainly were not that great about sharing that wealth and you know so th this is what what contributes to all of that now where this becomes the, the biggest problem um, when it comes to how do you sustain yourself is, is simple un, uh, employment rates. Look, native territories have a higher level of, of unemployment than, than any, other, any other place in the, in the, in the United States and, 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 and Canada. Our unemployment levels, and look, what they call an unemployment rate, which is really based on the people who just notified the Department of Labor that they're looking for work or that they're filing for unemployment benefits or something like that, that doesn't even scratch the surface. The, I would argue that, that the, the employment rate on our territories is many times um, uh, the employment, or, or let me put, I'll use a more familiar phrase, the unemployment rate is probably higher than 50% on most native territories. I mean, most people are not working. So the the people who are um, 
are in in the minority. And and so look, we're not just talking about teenagers not working here. There are many people who are, who are unemployed on our territories now. Because there there is some nation assistance that often oftentimes is offered because of you know whether it's be from gaming you know uh, uh, revenue or or whatever there there even people who are unemployed do have some some income and but these this is again the poverty levels are in excess of thirty percent thirty percent of the, of the of the people on our territories are living below the poverty line. Even in, in territories that have gaming. Now, that may not make sense. And we could argue that the scale measuring that, those, that poverty line is, uh, is not adjusted for the fact that perhaps our lifestyles don't require the same income off there. Because we're not paying some of those you know, property taxes and our housing is cheaper and, and, and that kind of stuff. Now, you know... In my mind, and, and I'll, I'll talk about this more in the second half of the show, among the things that we need to do to fix our economic situation is lower what we regard that poverty level by, by improving the quality of life that we can live with less income. I, you know, I think the idea that, that we're only going to drive everything towards the bottom line on our, what, our tax forms, <laughs> on our income statements, I think we've got to achieve a higher quality of life that is less dependent on the outside ec economies. But uh, l let me keep going. So we not only have, again, household income that, that places 30% of our populations living below the poverty line. Um, we also have um, a lack of resources on our territories um, from, a, from a, a product and services standpoint. We don't have grocery stores. We, we have smoke shops and convenience stores. And, and look, we patronize those too. I mean, this isn't just outside uh, a patronage. So when, when we get a dollar in our community, we, we'll, we spend it locally as much as we can. But for the most part, we're off to Walmart or Costco or Target or you know, you know, the, the local grocery stores in the towns nearby. We don't have grocery stores on our territories. We don't have um, many of the, uh, the other products and services. We, are, we pay a cell phone bill to an outside vendor. We, uh, our, our power is coming from, you know, from National Grid. Our gas is coming from, uh, from National Fuel. I mean, we, these are, this is what we face, right? We, you know, again, whether it's our cell phone or whether it's, you know, our, our cable television. No, I'll take it back. We don't have cable television. Our, our direct TV or dish network because we can only, we don't have fiber optic cables through our territory. Another thing that, uh, that you know, that, that affects our development here. Um, so all of these services are outside services. We don't have companies necessarily that can provide us in an adequate level anyway, the the products and services we need. So that means the money that does come into our territories leaves right away. Again, as this thing is, um, as economies are assessed, the, the, the general rule of thumb that is that when a dollar comes into a community, if it doesn't change hands at a minimum three times, but uh, in a you know, best case scenario, you know, five to eight times, if a dollar doesn't change... Um, hands that many times in the community, then it doesn't have a net benefit for the community because that money can come in and go out as soon as it, it's the, the community doesn't benefit from it. An individual may be able to 
make that income. So if they have a job off territory, they bring that money in, or if they, they have a business, that money comes in. If they have to spend it immediately outside, then we haven't truly achieved the economic benefit, which is directly related to, um, to the poverty that exists on native territories. So we're not creating that, uh, that same level of, um, uh, of economic benefit, even from the incomes that we do have, whether it's outside employment or whether it's uh, businesses that do develop on our territories. And again, <laughs> frankly, we may patronize um, the, the stores that we have here, but if we're spending a great deal of our uh, income, disposable or otherwise, in our own gaming facilities, yeah, that's not necessarily um, uh, raising the quality of our life. Look, gambling is a vice, even if it is one of the ones that, that it becomes um, uh, a means for our form of public finance. We shouldn't necessarily be, um, uh, be spending all our money back into those systems. Hey, look, uh, we're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a break. And when I come back, I want to get into a little bit, a few more of these things that are, that are, are pitfalls. But I also want to talk about the things that we need to do to change them and to affect it and, and to improve our, the quality of our life. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. All right. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my sponsors. I want to thank uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises and the good folks at Grand River Enterprises. I also want to tell people, look, if, if you're not subscribed to our podcast and to our YouTube channel, you might be missing some content. Uh, if you know, if you're just watching us on on Facebook or, you know, or if you're just watching us on YouTube or listening to us on podcasts and not doing both, you may miss, uh, miss some content. So, um, uh, I recommend that you, you search for us on, um, on line. You can search let's talk native with John Kane podcasts. Uh, you can ask your smart speaker to do that. Um, and we're, we're on all of the, the most, um, popular uh, podcast platforms and if you subscribe to our youtube channel you are going to uh, find not only the shows like this that we do but our short form videos and and we do intend on doing more and more of those as we as we go forward we're constantly working towards uh um building up our equipment inventory to do more more of this kind of thing so um uh again look for us both as a podcast and as our YouTube videos. I also want to mention we are on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash let's talk native, uh, you can support this program. We're going to be, be providing um, uh, exclusive content to our uh, Patreon subscribers. And uh, that's something also we're, also we're pretty excited about. Uh, so again, um, keep us in mind uh, as you're looking for where you're going to get your news and your views and that kind of stuff. I know it's easy to just fall into, um, you know, some of the, the, the most popular social media or cable television. But but look for us. We're going to give you something a little different uh, with, with each program. All right. As I was talking about, 
there are a lot of challenges that we have. I mean, the, the outside generally thinks that uh, that native people just we have all these great advantages and and that we're that we must be living large because of it. But the reality is, you know, we we experience poverty levels that higher than 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 almost anybody. And and it, it it's it's far far worse in some territories. And I don't need to name them because um, you you can search it online yourself. But some places the the poverty levels are extreme. I mean it's it's abject poverty. Other places that um, uh, where we have like like here for instance in Seneca territory territory we have um, an urban area that's not far from us. So we can we can seek employment. But if you live in a very remote territory and there's nothing for miles. Uh, and and or if your if your territory is large and there's nothing for miles, you're very limited on what what you can do. But here's the thing: there are some things that we need to do better. And and among the things that that I've I've always advocated is better networking from from native to native uh, standpoint. We need a stronger relationship in native to native businesses and native to native commerce. We need to do more to to recognize what what one territory has and um and needs and and another ter territory has and needs. Look, this was and this isn't anything new. I mean, in back you know in the uh, when Europeans first became aware uh, of our territories and, and how we operated, they were amazed at the food stores that we had developed. And, 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 it's, and it's documented. I mean, look, we didn't document this, guys. We just lived this stuff, right? But in an area that, not, that they call Ganondagan, which is um, uh, set up as a, as a cultural center in, in central New York, they talk about the fact that that area was used uh, to store food, and it was like a bank. It was like, literally like a food bank. Um, we had so much food stored, and if, if territories needed, if, if, some, if one place had a, you know, had a bad year for crops and another one didn't, we, we had a system in place that would make sure that we didn't, uh, that, that we shared the wealth, literally, and, and the wealth in terms of nourishment and food. So the idea that, that today we, we aren't recognizing, for instance, which territories have had bigger inroads in developing, you know, perhaps manufacturing or perhaps agriculture or, or, or whatever, and then figured out ways to, uh, to, to 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 conduct uh, a more meaningful commerce. Look, I'm not saying none of us have done it. I mean, it, it has been done. Look, we we do um, business with with native territories in in other in other regions, and but but not at the level that would um, bring us together and unify us in our in our battles against the states and and against the United States. This is oftentimes we always find that we are it's it's every man for themselves or every woman for themselves in in these fights against uh state regulatory controls and that kind of stuff so um that's one of the things that we we really need to concentrate in, on but the other thing that that's related to that is we need to establish what is the native model for doing business look we can recognize that that the banking products aren't going to be there for us in the same way that they that they're uh, there for non-native businesses, but there are other there are other ways to generate money. There's you know beyond crowdsource funding and 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 other ways. There's there are ways that we could pull pool some resources, and we need to create a better model for what um, 
for what is required for a successful native business. We, we haven't really done a full evaluation territory to territory on what is our position on, on sovereignty? How is sovereignty an asset for us? How, um, how much have we been able to expand our own controls over regulatory uh, infringement from the outside? And so what are those regulatory advantages? What can we do in one territory um, more easily than in another territory? And we're not all fighting the same battles. Look, there, there, there are battles over natural resources. There are battles over um, you know, uh, location. Look, if you're in a very remote area, uh, you may feel like there's that that it's a much much more of a challenge for you to be involved in business. But in the world that we live in, with you know remote sales and and uh, uh, and easier ways to communicate with with each other, there's no reason that we couldn't have um, uh, encouraged businesses even in the most remote areas. And we don't do enough to support uh, our brothers and sisters who are in in like very remote areas like like Alaska or you know or the, the upper you know uh, areas of, of, of Canada they're in many of these places Hawaii for instance you know where where the price of goods are is so expensive simply because that they are not with within the, the the main population centers of the of the rest of you know frankly the rest of the world, so we should do more to uh, create um, detailed models for for what is is going to be successful in an in an area, and we should understand what is the case law that that's going to defend our position against the state, against a county, against the federal government, provincial governments, whatever. We need to assert that, and we need to stand together in unity more when we do that. Everybody's always talking about how Native people need to unify. Well, unity for the sake of unity isn't going to happen. We can unify around a, su a subject. We can, all, we can get 10,000 people to show up at Standing Rock to, to fight a pipeline with a loose de definition of what fighting means. But to, to, to say that we're unified in a, in a bigger, in a political sense, that's probably not not very true. Look, I know, even in the in the very charged political climate that exists in in the United States and Canada, our people can be divided even if we don't vote in their elections or participate necessarily. Although many advocate doing so, we can be divided along those same political lines. We don't stand together, not only individually as nations, but collectively as nations, and. The reason to do that may be finances, maybe uh, maybe um, uh, commerce, and we can find reasons within th that that trade and that business to business models that I talked about to to, to stand together, and and this also has to um, bring private sector and nation businesses together as well. You know, we can't be fighting each other. Uh, look, I know that we're com we're in competition, but what what people forget is most of the competition that we we are really pitted against are not native to native competitions. I mean, look, we're, we're, yeah, we got smoke shops and that kind of stuff, but our real competition is the outside, you know. And and we should make sure that we don't sell ourselves short. This was always a, the big debate during uh, with mail order, and you know, mail order companies who were selling tobacco uh, through the mail. They were driving the price down way too low. Their competition was, was that people could go to a local store that didn't have a native territory uh, close by. And that's where they were getting most of the sales. So 
we have to have a better sense for for what what the market is and where our position is in it and how do we cooperate with other native territories when, when we're doing some of this stuff so we need to we we need to understand what what the value is of the asset that sovereignty and autonomy is you know the other thing and i've talked about it before we we do need to uh, to reassess what is where quality of life um fits in with what somebody else is determining is the poverty line look if if it takes a thousand dollars a week to live comfortably uh in most territories then that's probably too too high a level. I mean, we should figure out ways that we can we can live at four, five, you know, three hundred dollars a week. We should figure out ways that we can we can live a quality of life, not by always depending on the on the existing capitalist model that exists all around us. So look, do we need to bring in some uh, some dollars and some currency into our territory? Sure, we do. But should we be spending 50, 60, or 60 or 70 hours a week working to only bring money into our territories? Because if you've given up that much of your life, you've already diminished the quality of life. So maybe there's things that we do where we work as a community, not for income, but that we work as a community for, for, for collective benefit, for, for a higher quality of life. We do those kinds of things. Now we find out, no, we don't need to make $1,000 a week. We can make, you know, $500 a week and still live pretty comfortably, comfortable lives. Look, I realize we still, even if you own your home and even if you, you're, you've gone into the, the, the tiny home um, uh, a class or whatever, you're probably still making a car payment. So we, we got to figure out well, what, what is the level of um, financial resources we need to continue to spend outside versus what we can do inside our territories. See, the more we identify our distinction and our, you know, I've talked about this doing uh, uh, the so-called needs assessment uh, analysis. These are the kinds of things we should, we don't not only need to do a needs assessment, we need to find out what, what our asset assessment is. I mean, what do we have? What do we have that gives us value? And, and, that, and, and that may be our location. It may, may be tied to, to tourism and self, at some level. It may be tied to, you know, to hospitality and gaming and that kind of thing. But there may be other things that we, that we have to offer, uh, not just of, our, of ourselves and of our territories, but, but you know, uh, from a brain trust standpoint. I, I think the whole idea that, that we need to leave our territories to be gainfully employed is... Um, is a, is a problem. Look, we have a lot of things that work against our um, our future, and among the things that we do to each other, we get we get caught up in this you know blood quantum debate on who's native and who's not native. Well, I'll tell you, the more that we have to go off our territories to seek employment, to seek seek gainful employment, the more we get pulled away from our communities, and 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 we get pulled away from it in terms of lifestyle. We get pulled away from it in terms of influence and, and marketing and all of these other things, but also in relationships. Pretty soon, we, we start looking down at our own people as, as something something less than uh, than than what we've achieved. Because why? Because because we're pulling in fifty thousand dollars a year working uh, for, you know, for for a non-native company off territory, or or a hundred thousand dollars a year, whatever the case may be.
But we, the, the, the more we are pulled to, to seek our fame and fortune off territory, the more we diminish who is left on our territory. And, uh, and the prospects for who's left on our territory. And this isn't just about depleting the gene pool. I'm not, I'm not, just, I'm not talking about that. Uh, but if our best and brightest are always encouraged to leave, then who's left? And, and I'm not you know, trying to create a hierarchy within, within our communities. But if success means leaving our territory, then what, what does staying on our territories mean? And, and again, when I look back historically modern history that is you you could always gauge the have and have nots by the people who were involved in government who, who, who were in in charge of making decisions on a territory and then everybody else is just the victims of those decisions they 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 have to live with those decisions that the that the power elite on a native territory are making we've got to change that model we've got to rethink what it's going to be um like i said we drive we we lower what, what people consider the poverty, maybe there is no such thing as poverty in our territories because we, we create environments where people don't necessarily need to have an income, a measurable income. One of the things that, uh, that, that kind of skews the numbers is if somebody's using a, 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 what is considered the poverty level of a, of a, a non-native uh, living on non-native territory, that may not necessarily apply accurately uh, on, on our territories because Again, we don't pay property taxes, but the, there and we we have other income that might not be you know claimable. You know the whole working off the books or or getting annuity payments that are not taxable. Some of those things don't get don't get taken into into account. But I think we should create environments on as many native territories as possible, and then network those native territories. By the way, um, that the the sole basis of a determining somebody's quality of life is not an income statement. I think we ha we have to come up with other ways. You know, I mean, we we talk about you know food security, not just food sovereignty, but food security. Uh, how do we um, provide goods and services to each other in in ways that uh, that don't necessarily require that we always have to seek outside um, uh, vendors for all of this stuff. I think we need we need to do more. We don't even we don't really support a lot of restaurants on our territories. And and, and when I think of how many times people will will be in a um, in a franchise store, a McDonald's or Tim Hortons off territory, versus what we can get on on our own territories, and we can provide those services even though those shops may have outside vendors. But again, at least that's one more stop for the dollar that uh, that we you know, that we spend, uh, you know, to get, get through our day, but we should do everything we can to come up with other means of, of give and take, not just bartering, um, but, but bartering, uh, but how do we, um, offer, you know, plots of land for, for gardening? How do we, how do we manage the housing crisis that we, that we still have? Look, Seneca Territory, I think they have, you know, they list some something close to 8,000 um, en enrolled members. I hate that. Uh, people, Seneca people uh, that are that are part of the Seneca Nation. I know there's not uh, there's not um, the infrastructure infrastructure to support that many households. Now, of course, that includes children. But how do we build for the future? How do we make sure 
that there is a place at home, you know, in, uh, in, in our native territories, and not just for the enrolled members. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not Seneca, and I live on Seneca territory. I mean, for, somebody could make the argument that I'm sitting on a, on a parcel of, uh, of land that, that a Seneca could, could be living at. <laughs> no, no, I'm causing trouble, causing trouble for my own life here. <laughs> but, but, the, but the reality is there are, there's a lot of land that's not put to use on, on Seneca territory. And some of that land could be put to use. There's no excuse for there not being, um, for somebody not looking to, to make perhaps uh, build apartment complexes. You know, I've talked about different businesses that could, uh, could, could skirt a whole lot of the, um, the, the, the problems with, with income tax, for instance. Uh, look, if you built um, uh, a system of, of tiny homes or an apartment complex and, and, and offered homes at a reasonable rent, you, that rent income is not taxable because it's lease income. I've, I've talked about building uh, storage units uh, for the for the self store uh, industry that's that that is um, flourishing off our territories. That would be non taxable income. There are things that we could do that generate dollars and cents, or can be traded off in terms of other goods and services. But we we just don't think in that in that big picture sense. So I think we have to the the two main things that we need to do individually, uh, uh, as far as native territories go, is we need to uh, assess what is our, what is the, the, the strongest assets that, that our communities uh, have to offer in terms of business. Um, and, and among those assets have to be, um, where does sovereignty fit into that? So what are, where do we, where can we take the biggest advantage of our regulatory advantages that we have? And, and how can we make sure that we, we defend those regulatory um, advantages as much as possible? So I think that's one of the things. What is, that, what is the business model for a native? We can't go to business school outside in a university and learn how to do business on our territories. You know, all those schools, all those business schools out there say, we're preparing young people for the global economy. I say, the hell with the global economy. I mean, we need to be, be concentrating on the most local economy. So we not only need to do an assessment on what our needs are on our territories, but even the, for the non-native communities around us, we need to know what is a marketable product or service that we can provide and provide in a way that doesn't, that, that, that doesn't screw us for one thing, but also doesn't, uh, that's su that supports the local economy, not just the the native e local economy, but the, but the regional local economy around our territories. So that's one of the things that that we we clearly need to do. But we also need to make sure that 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 economy is not just a measurement of dollars and cents. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but when I talk about lowering the poverty line, I'm saying let's again make sure that the quality of life that we that we choose that we seek that we that we pursue is not just bound to a certain dollar and cents a certain income statement or income level let's do what we can to make the highest quality of life possible for ourselves and for our children that uh that requires the least amount of um of currency uh and and, and capitalism uh, from the from the outside i mean so i think we need we need to really put a concentration on on that now the other thing we need to do as i mentioned in the in the beginning 
We also need to network. We need to find out from one native community to the, to the other, how do we support each other? How do we support native to native business? How do we um, network? You know, look, because of what we can do electronically and online, you know, through social media, there, there's any number of products that we can, we can buy and sell without necessarily having to have them produced, you know, in, in our, you know, in our own little shops, we can find the little shops elsewhere, but, you know, we, we have to make sure that we're giving a priority to native to native businesses, because there's always going to be, be people who try to exploit it. And, and look, we need to be, we need to hold ourselves accountable and each other accountable. We need to be responsible to our, to our future and to, well, and to our children. One of the biggest among the biggest things that contributes to um, the poor quality of life on native territories is the sense of hopelessness. The, the, the sense that, that we don't have um, any good prospects for our future. You know, so we, we see our kids who, who just can't wait to leave. Not, not just leave your, your household, but leave, leave the community. I mean, and look, many communities, non-native and native communities go, go through the same thing. People just want to get out. But, the reason they, they the reason most want to get out is because they don't see any real future in staying. We need to create a better uh, and more viability for a, a prosperous future for for our, ourselves and for our children and our grandchildren, and that has to be done by by assessing what the future is going to look like. You know, even a few years out, look. If we're only ever catching what drops off the table of somebody else's latest scheme for making money, if we're only going to, you know, take advantage of markets that somebody else developed, we can, we're only catching the, the crumbs. And we need to be a little bit more forward thinking with that. And, you know, and, and even as I'm saying we need to be forward thinking, we also need to remember what got us here. And... And we need to make sure that our future is securing our identity as Native people. I don't think we want to cease to be who we are just because we're chasing a higher quality of life. I think we need to bring, bring forward some of the, the values and from some of the teachings from, from, you know, from generations back. We've got to bring seven generations forward and then advance certain notions seven generations forward from us. So this is you know, one of the ways that we, we overcome uh, the inequality. Look, I acknowledge that there's inequality. And I'm saying some of that inequality can be spun and, and, and it can be turned to our advantage. We're still going to have challenges. We're still going to have, you know, uh, you know, be dogged by racism. And the way we change that narrative is not being the victims of, um, not allowing ourselves to be the victims of that racism, that we, we overcome that and we persevere over the challenges that are created by the inequalities that coloniz colonization has created. There, there are, uh, there are um, some, some opportunities there and we need to not only flush them out, but we need, we, we need to make sure that we can locate the, the regions, the people, the resources to make some of those opportunities come to, uh, come, come to reality. And look, I'm not saying that we got to bail on everything we're doing now. 
I have no problem, um, you know, continue to fight for our regulatory advantages as it relates to fuel sales and tobacco sales and and promoting our regulatory advantages as it relates to gaming. In fact, if anything, I, I think we need to um, exploit those even more. I think uh, gaming has taken a turn um, where the outside is making as much money uh, off of native gaming as uh, as we are. And we needed we need to turn the tables on that. We need to take more control, more regulatory control, and more financial control, even over some of those businesses that depend on the outside for patronage. I don't think we're screwing anybody. I don't think we're taking advantage of anybody. I think it's it, it just it just makes economic sense. And frankly, all of our money that comes to our territories eventually will go off territory, and so we lift up a region at the same time. So anyway. That's uh, that was my message for today. Uh, we will be uh, back uh, for our next show uh, uh, Tuesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. No way.